<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? Uh, Val is not in the intro, but she, as I always say, she's on the episode. That's what counts. Sorry, this is coming out Friday afternoon instead of Friday morning. Val and I talk about that. This was um, my first full day back after my uh, 16 days away. So uh, Val and I use that to have, I think, a really great conversation. It's a little bit shorter. Uh, you'll hear at the end that Lila wakes up from her nap. Uh, so that's why this is only an hour. But I think it's a good hour. It's a rich hour and a great conversation. I think you can tell that Val and I were very eager and excited to sit down face-to-face and talk again instead of doing it over Zoom as we had the past two episodes. So this is an excellent episode. I'm so glad you're here with us. I hope you guys are all hanging in there. Um, And this is brought to us by our friends at Foria. Have you guys tried Foria yet? Did you know that 75% of women still experience painful sex and 80% of women experience painful menstrual cramps? It doesn't have to be this way. Enter Foria, our newest Pete's pick. I thought it was a natural choice to work with Foria with all the talk we do, including this episode and embodiment and sexuality. I'm so happy to join them. They are on a mission to close the pleasure gap. Foria was the first brand to create a comprehensive product line addressing the sexual and pleasure needs of women with CBD-enriched arousal oil, lubricant, and suppositories to help alleviate women's issues related to painful sex, menstrual cramps, and even postmenopausal issues. It's 100% plant-based, no fragrance, no additives, no synthetics, no chemicals in you or on you. Val and I were so happy to discover this uh, wonder. We, we use our Awaken arousal oil. We got it in a gift basket after a show I was on. It was a game changer. Val and I, I'm happy to say, have a wonderful sex life, and this brought us even more into our bodies, made us feel even more connected and supported by these wonderful plant allies, so I highly recommend it. The Awaken Oil takes female pleasure to the next level. It enhances arousal and access to orgasm, making great sex even better, eases discomfort, and supportive for soothing pain during sex, which unfortunately can be so common. It's the best stuff we found with a commitment to clean ingredients, organic and regenerative farming, sex ed, and responsible packaging. This stuff is the real deal, and it's amazing. It's not some edible cinnamon lube you get at a rest stop sex shop. It's organic, it's wonderful, it's plant-based. Foria is offering a very special offer to You Made It Weird listeners. Get 20% off your first order by going to foriawellness.com slash weird. That's F-O-R-I-A, foriawellness.com slash weird for 20% off your first order to better, more pleasurable, more embodied, more connected sex. Get into it. And get into this episode. Boy, I'm glad to be home. I am so happy to be back. And I think it comes through in this chat that you're about to listen to. We didn't get to questions, unfortunately, but we we save them all. Or we do our best we can to save them all. So if you asked a question, uh, there's a very good chance we'll get to it eventually. Enjoy my chat with sweet lady Val. Get into it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, move closer I'm always so much louder than you Okay, well you could it's also that. move away Oh, I thought you were going to say You could also just be less loud <laughs> No, I know that's not possible <laughs> OMG, the burns begin Hi. Am I in Mr. Burns' office? 
Because I'm getting Burns. I wish I could do a Mr. Burns impression. Excellent. 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 Oh, my God. I told you in my Simpsons episode, Warren Priests, part one and two on Hulu now. I should plug it more. Yeah. I guess. Meaning I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. There's a joke where Mr. Burns, you know this, he has the Dead Sea Scrolls <laughs> in his house. They changed it. The writers changed it rightfully, uh, meaning it's funnier, to Blessed Be the Poor. Uh, and Mr. Burns is like, Blessed Be the Poor? Yeah. And like, he's so rich. So, And then he shreds it. Uh-huh. I had it... Um, one of the Ten Commandments. I forget which one. Uh-huh. Which is in the book of Exodus. Uh-huh. Meaning we're at a depth that only a few people would appreciate. Yeah. But when he shreds it, he, he goes, no one must know. And he puts it in a paper shredder. And then he goes, Allah, excellent. He goes, Exodus. <laughs> and I pride my... I don't know if I pride myself. We could, we could actually talk about it. As I'm moving into my next venture and stuff, I'm always like, how much is too much to give? Like, how much, how much is it too much to bend? Uh-huh. With The Simpsons, obviously, it's easy. With Jed, it's easy. But, like, even with great things, like, when, when should you stand up for yourself? Yeah. And that was the only joke in both scripts that, that were mine uh-huh. um, that I was like, I will cut a bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, this has to be in there. Yeah. And to the wonderful Simpsons credit, Al Jean and everybody, mm-hmm. I was just like, please trust me yeah. that this is to come up with like, I'm sorry, I'm monologuing up here at the top, but like, yeah. it was so exciting to come up with like, the Simpsons has been going for like 20 years to come up with a new way of making fun of one of the classic things. It's like coming yes. up with a new dough. Yeah. Dough. Like, right. They did that in the movie where he went, dome, because they were in a dome. Yeah. And I was like, this is so exciting. Yes. It's I, huge. I was sitting right here, and, and we're back home. We're in L.A. And we're together, and you're back. And we're together, and I came home. That's why this episode is late. Tell the people. Yeah. Okay. So he's been in Montreal for 16 days. As you know. I think that if, if you've been listening. Yeah. And um, he came home yesterday at like 2.30 p.m. When our original plan was. Was to have our date, which is at 3.30 on Thursdays. Yep. Like 3.30 to 8.30. So we podcast and then we go on a date. But he had just gotten home and, and uh, I still gave the option. I was like, because I've been with Leela, I was like. You yeah. could just not see Leela. <laughs> yeah. We're like, no, I'm going to want to see my daughter, which I totally understand yeah, and yeah, is yeah. the right choice. So we uh, we don't have a sitter today, so we're doing it while she's napping. I'm looking at a monitor of her right now, sleeping, her cute little legs. Um, Dad dressed legs. Deer socks pulled high up over the leg. The stroke, my brush stroke. Oh, yeah. This is... <laughs> these socks... The okay. brushstroke of the artist. Let me just explain. Like, this is so... I, so, I got to sleep in for the first time since Pete's been gone, and it was unbelievable. I haven't even told you this, that it, like... 
I, because we are home in our house and we usually, we have been in a tiny house, essentially. Literally a, one of those tiny houses. In the country, north of LA. I think it's gotten out that it's Ojai, but okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, again, why the cloak and dagger, but like... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so we've been in a tiny house in Ojai, which we've been loving, but um, we came, Pete flew into LAX, so we came home. And uh, so getting to sleep in... Until nine. Oh, delicious. And then... And we went to bed at like nine. Yeah. So I just slept so much. And then uh, waking up in our house, which now isn't... It isn't a huge house, but now it feels like a goddamn mansion. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm used to such a small space. Live in a tiny house. And we've gone to like, you know, to see the neighborhood and get a sense for things up there. And we'd love to spend more time there. And we've gone to some open houses Mm-hmm. And if you're living in a tiny house, yeah. it's kind of like if you're in a bad relationship. Not that our tiny house is bad. Yeah. But if you're in a bad relationship and then you go on a double date and they're just like a basic B relationship. Yeah. But they're not in like a toxic relationship. You're just yeah. like, look at the way he said God bless you when she sneezed. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it's like that. There's like yeah. there's a room I can go in and close a working door. Oh you know. my gosh. Again, yeah. Smitty, if you hear this, it's not <laughs> Yeah, we love our place. Uh, we still are are renting that place, but we just being home. You also are like, it's so interesting because before we left for Ojai, our house was feeling starting to feel a little bit like a cozy prison, as I'm sure a lot of people feel about their houses being uh, in quarantine and uh, in this pandemic for six months. So, Pan what now? <laughs> Pan who? The one guy. Oh, that, that was Jared Leto. Remember, he was like on a spiritual retreat and he came back what? in the middle of the pandemic. And no. he was the guy that was like, Pan what now? Oh my God, really? Yeah. Pan pizza? No, Jared. Pan pizza? <laughs> it's a pandemic. Okay, well, I'm still going to want a pan pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's not delivery it's pandemic oh my god i liked it i miss you so much i'm gonna enjoy anything oh great well the standards are low Low. (laughs) you made it weird the standards are low (laughs) anyway so i just woke up in our beautiful big bed and i like oh and i'm i'm waking up and like because we're sleeping in a twin we uh, right? well no a queen uh a full maybe full-size bed but you and me and leela during my, and you are the size of a twin mattress. <laughs> yeah, if you had to like character d- describe me to a character artist, you'd yeah. be like, okay, he's the size of a queen mattress. You'd be like, okay, <laughs> then shave away everything that isn't David. <laughs> Very, that's a Michelangelo joke. Oh, he said yes. I'd chip away everything, everything that, that wasn't, wasn't David. David. That's right. But they start, with me, you start with a queen mattress and <laughs> shave away surprisingly little. Yeah, just a couple of clips on the corners. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not even clips that you fold it down. So there's like a bulge on my back and my belly where you're folding in. But I'm using all of the buffalo. Yes, that's right. I love it. I love a good uh, mixed metaphor. Yeah. Ooh, we should have a party where instead of mixed drinks, we serve mixed metaphors. <laughs> okay. We'll invite Aaron Sorkin, who's a genius. And every time Aaron... Come on the show and let's talk about it. I'm the biggest Aaron Sorkin fan. Biggest. Sorry, I'm jumping all over. I think I watched every Aaron Sorkin movie during this pandemic because, like, I was writing. And when you're writing, 
it's great to listen to the to the rhythm and the and the vocabulary and the he's just the best. I yeah. also watched his master class, so I'll probably just be dropping the best little nugs from that yeah. for peeps. And just because I like talking about it. But anyway, um, every time he says metaphor, I think he means analogy. And I'm like, I think, and I really want to ask him, uh-huh. it's because metaphor is such a better word. If I'm like, mm. you know, I have to, um, I had to pee as like a deer and it's like, you, and then somebody says something kind of sork and he like, actually deer statistically don't pee any more than human beings or something. I know, Dan, it was a metaphor, right? But that's not a metaphor. That's an analogy. That's a simile, actually. All right. Even worse. <laughs> if you're going to like for comedy or the music of language, say simile, yeah. just take, print out your script, <laughs> delete it from the hard drive and then pour it. Uh, with motor oil, cover it in motor oil because it stinks. I wonder if he would say, <laughs> I wonder if he would say that character wouldn't know the difference. If that's true, by the way, Aaron, 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 if he Aaron. was on Twitter, I'd be bothering him. Aaron, Aaron, it's such a fun name to be like, what Aaron. I, if I want to annoy Ern, who's on the 300th episode with you yeah. and me, mm-hmm. um, so my life, my lifelong friend. If I want to annoy him, I just do my impression of his mother, Jane, who's wonderful, mm-hmm. going, Aaron. Aaron. Because it's such yeah. a great name to sort of wine, yeah. wine scold. yeah. Amy Winescold. <laughs> Aaron. Aaron. He hates it. Aaron. But it's a good comedy name. It's great. But it's just every character. So it's okay. not just once. It's like over and over. Like, see, he has Steve Jobs saying, it's a metaphor. Now, I could be wrong. I'm not like a metaphor expert, but I'm pretty sure a metaphor is like Santa Claus is a metaphor or like the example that we always gave when I was teaching this in middle school, when I was teaching this to middle schoolers, uh, was a metaphor is, um, what was your example? Like I I have to pee like a deer. deer. Uh, it would be, this isn't the perfect example, but, uh, if it's like, or as that's a simile. Yep. And if you are like, I was a deer peeing in the woods. That's, That's a, metaphor. a metaphor. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the Joey Camps. An analogy, I can't remember exactly, but I think that's more of like a story to represent something. Now all the English... Mr. Brown is yeah. listening to this episode. And you guys, I have a master's in English education <laughs> and I can't remember. And being a, a lover of the mystic arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just know that a metaphor is something like instead of saying God is like an old man in the sky, yeah, God, God is an old man, man in the, the sky, sky is yes. a metaphor. Yeah. But like none of the characters on the West Wing, which is one of the things I started watching uh-huh. after and quite good actually... Um, we talked about that last time we did this, mm-hmm. but um, anyway, they're always saying metaphor when I feel like it might be a simile, and I think there's no way Aaron Sorkin doesn't know what a metaphor is. Yeah, I can see him with his capote glasses going. You think I don't? He kind of looks like Jim Gaffigan too. Uh-huh. <laughs> you think I don't know? And he punches me. I think this might be a really good time in your life to give. Gilmore Girls a real shot because that's got a very Sorkin-y rhythm. I understand. I thought, to me, in my life, um, being an achiever, someone who likes to do well, I was on Gilmore Guys, mm-hmm. the podcast. I tried to watch an episode and I hated it. Mm-hmm. And I can't watch West Wing. Mm-hmm. I turned it off many times uh-huh. because I wasn't jacked on coffee. Yeah. And I wasn't like, 
I would. I had a treadmill, and I'd watch it on the treadmill. That's how to watch Gilmore Girls. It's that's like, why wow, all the characters are always walking and talking. You, that's actually what made it good. Yeah. So I was, as you know, I was watching. What time is it? Good time. I was watching Jordan, <laughs> uh, the Last Dance, and that was great because everyone's moving, and mm-hmm. it, it's good to work out to. Yeah. And then I looked up like shows to work out to, uh-huh. and everything was like. Just like the most bingeable shows, the, like right. I get, they wouldn't say Bake Off, but like things like that. Yeah, like um, Love at First Sight, just mindless shit to watch yeah. while you're on the treadmill for two hours or whatever you're doing. I don't know what normal people do, <laughs> but I was like, I want to watch mammals, erect mammals, yeah, walking or moving or dunking or spinning. So I'm on a treadmill going like. Look at the potential of humans. Yeah. And Sorkin is sort of the Jordan of, of, of words and walk yeah. and talks. Yeah. So totally. I do recommend West Wing. If anybody's listening to this podcast on their treadmill at home, first of all, you're lucky that you bought one pre Dem, mm-hmm. pre Pan Pizza, because. <laughs> Oh my God. Because uh, apparently it's very hard to get exercise equipment. Yeah. Um,. I feel like we jumped all around there, but... We were talking know. about metaphor similes, yeah. and then we were also talking about how I was away, you were and away. how we've been swimming in a twin bed. Uh, oh, yeah, and so we, it just felt like the four seasons, but I, but specifically designed to my taste. Waking up in our bedroom, going to the bathroom in our beautiful bathroom, and our walking out. Oh, and that's what it was. So the view... You know where just the Q-tips the are. signs of, like, you being home, and this is going to sound passive-aggressive. Well, it was messy. I think I love it. Yeah, it's like I... Like I walk out and there's um, Gymnopedia number one, which is the song that we play behind the poems at the end of the episode. Pete just plays on repeat for hours in the morning, which is really actually lovely. It's kind of the only song that I'd be okay with. It sounds crazy, but it's one of those songs. It's just like one kind of refrain. Yeah. And when it ends... It's not, it doesn't conclude, like all classical music, I, I, I always used to wonder if it was like hack, like mm-hmm. if Beethoven and Mozart, mm-hmm. they were like, it's so hack that every song ends with, dun, da-da, <laughs> like it, yes. it, that's how you know it's over. Sure. There's no moment like that in Gymnopedia number one. Yeah. Is it number one? Number one, I'm pretty sure. I'm not so you don't even notice that it's looping. It's just like beautiful. Yeah. It's like the, it's, one of the most beautiful songs ever. Yeah. So it's like beautiful ambiance and... Uh, so I like stepped out into and I, uh, into that sound, and then there were just papers all over the floor with Leela's drawings, and then Pete's drawings, which are very specific to you. Yeah, and then like toys everywhere, but specifically the kinds of games that you guys play together. Yeah, and then I looked, and you were outside, like flipping her on the the slide, and she was dressed in. Um, in uh we have this like blue puffy coat from the that looks like exactly a puffy coat from the 1970s yeah um and so she was wearing that and pants with hearts on them with deer socks pulled up to the knees and they have like a little deer face on the toe over the pants and the her <laughs> her pants were falling down so you could see her butt crack, just like how your pants often are on yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it was so specific. It was a little like, me. Dad morning, and it just was so heartwarming and felt so good. Well, that speaks to like coming home and why the episode is, is late, understandably. I don't think anybody's mad about it. But it's like, when I got home, it was 
the best drug I've ever done. That's an exaggeration because drugs do crazy things, but like it was the most natural hit of dopamine Mm -hmm. and probably adrenaline and just like oxytocin and oxytocin. That's the one because she did, it didn't disappoint. I mean, like, I think we've been very clear on this podcast. I I hate, um, let me put it this way because I don't think it's the dad's fault most of the time, 99% of the time. Mm. The, the way that the culture can be structured it, it, off more and more. Everybody's working and I understand that as well. Mm-hmm. But like, I really didn't want to be, I, I, it would have broken my heart if I came home and she just didn't care. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I have friends like that and, yeah. and we understand there's no judgment there. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're very privileged that we can both be in her life. So, mm-hmm. I, but I was a little bit like, Because when I would FaceTime, Mm -hmm. she didn't... I always took it as a sign that she's too smart to know. She knows it's not me. Yeah. So she'd hug the phone and kiss the phone and and then she'd be done. Yeah. But this was... I came home and then as softy I already am with her, if she wanted to... She literally drew on the couch with Crepa and I didn't even stop her (sighs) because I was just like... It's go time. Like, mm-hmm. let's just do everything. Yeah. And then you and I had one of those nights. We don't eat pizza very often, as we talked about pizza ad nauseum on this podcast and yeah. how it's like our, that's our drug. Yeah. But we just had pizza. And watched the finale of The Vow. Which oh, was great. It felt so good. Which I couldn't, we couldn't watch together. Yeah. This is a modern relationship. I know. But it is very, I mean, so that kind of leads to, to, what my experience was when you came home, which I think is worth talking about because it's the stuff that we're constantly talking about. And then this is it in practice. But, um, so Leela was so excited and I knew she was going to be so excited for you to come home, but she had been, you know, we had had 16 days of just us and, um, Which as, for me felt like I was cryogenically frozen. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't even feel like I went anywhere or really did anything. I just feel like I was in the, not the upside down or the in-between or anything scary or weird, but I just wasn't, it was almost like I wasn't really alive. Yeah. We'll talk about that. So she had seen the, she had been with the, our, with Iris, our nanny a couple times and she, and we were with my mom, the three of us. So it was me and Leela and my mom a few times off and on too. Uh, but anytime she was with me and someone else, she was very clingy to me. It was actually harder uh, than when it was just the two of us because she was really, I think, just afraid of like if I was going to leave or not. Mm-hmm. So I knew she'd be very excited to see you. And I thought it was going to go pretty much how it went. But I, there was a part of me that was like, she might be really clingy to me still, just because that's how she had been. Like, she would be pushing my mom away, and you know? Yeah. Um, and then you guys, so, and, and it really was like a very sweet time that I feel really grateful for. And I think this is important, too, because last time we did the podcast, I reported that I was feeling very equanimous, and everything was just like feeling very manageable and good and... And I was surprised. I wasn't overwhelmed. I was enjoying it. And right. that stayed true throughout. Um, but I also, we talked about maybe there was like a necessary disassociation happening to like get through this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might have been what happened because I was so excited to see you. And we were driving home and I knew you were going to be home 
either by the time we got there. Putting all my clothes in the wash (laughs) immediately and like taking a scalding hot shower so I can just like breaking bad myself. Like before they cook meth, I'm like just trying to be as clean as I can be because I just, you know, it's weird flying. Yeah. And uh, they're not scattering the seats anymore, by the way. They're not. Oh, no. Yikes. As soon as like people started flying again, I mean, capitalism is always going to. Do what it needs to do. So at the beginning, when no one was flying, it was like, you know, welcome to whatever airline. It's all the airlines. It's like, nobody's even going to be sitting next to you. And it's like three months later. And this is, I I can't even judge it. It's like, now there's more demand. And they're like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. But I don't remember getting an email being like... (laughs) Are you okay? Or there should be like a... Hey, Sky Mile member, member, guess what? Yeah, you'll be sitting right next to two people. Yeah, yeah. hope you don't sit next to somebody that doesn't believe in the pan pizza. <laughs> um, <laughs> or Jared Leto. Like, I think that he hasn't been taking it seriously. Jared Leto is free to not wear a mask because we need to see them features. Oh, gotta see those beautiful feminine features. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, Scandal. What? Remember, you played that trans woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So anyway, I was so excited. I felt so good all morning. I was really excited to see you and kept telling Leela, like, Dada's going to be home. And then we got home and, like, Leela ran to you. And it was so sweet to see how excited she was. She was, like, hugging you and wouldn't let go. And it was so sweet. And then I just kind of, like, hugged both of you. Yeah. And then it was, like, off to the races. She's like, Dada, color, Dada, and, like, just wanted to play with you, and you were being so sweet. And it, and I was really, like, had a, quite a few moments of enjoying watching yeah, it. Yeah, you shot a little video and stuff. Just you taking were being videos, and, and then it was, it's so interesting, like, the sequence of events of, like, she had peed in the car, so I was like, well, I have to clean out the car seat right now because the whole car is going to smell like pee. So I'm like <laughs> unloading the car and then cleaning out the pee and coming in every once in a while. To, and we're both and you, both of us are drawing on the couch. You were, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but but she was drawing on the floor and it was just getting like really messy so fast. But I didn't mind that. I knew it was just like a party moment. Uh, and then and so I'm cleaning out the car and then I I uh, had to. There was some other thing that I had to do, which is so significant that I don't remember it now, but it felt like, oh God, now I have to like, maybe it was cleaning up the couch. That's what it was after she colored. Mm -hmm. Cray pods do not come off of couches. And I had learned that before. And And she did two big, big swipes in the the middle of the couch cushion. Uh, And what were you going to say? Not to sound like the good cop in this situation, because I understand your side a hundred percent. Yeah. And I feel like even though I haven't been in that exact situation, I've been in similar where you're not the rested novel. Like it's so exciting for me to be home. I'm thinking every time I see those two swipes of Kraypal, I'll remember when I came home. Right. Which you said. It's like bronzing baby shoes or something. <laughs> totally. Which is what you said. And that is kind of. So by that point, I could feel it's like the the emotions come first. So in hindsight, I can understand that what happened was my body felt safe again for the first time in 16 days. And, and Leela was truly like taken care of. And uh, so 
all of a sudden I think my body was releasing all of this backlog of feelings. Um, and then my mind and my ego started to build a story around what was happening, which is it's very familiar story, which is um, like I am the not fun parent that has to do all of the not fun things. So I and then it gets me so stressed out that I don't play and I'm not fun. And and like so at that point, I was building that story a little bit. So then I'm like, she she colors on our couch and I'm like, man, that doesn't come off. And I'm like, no, no, Leela. So then I, I'm already saying to myself, okay, like, like Pete has just come in and it's a party and she's so excited. And then I'm here I am having to be the one that says no to her. Right. And then I'm cleaning it and you're like, it's okay. Every time I see it, I'll... I'll be reminded. And to me in that moment, that doesn't feel like, oh, yeah, let's look at it that way. That feels like, uh, yeah, so I'm like the bitch <laughs> that cares about our couch more than our child. <laughs> and it's like American one. Beauty where she almost spills his beer on the couch. Or he almost, remember, he's kissing Annette Benning, oh, and he's yeah. about to spill the beer on the couch, and then she breaks the moment. Uh, I'm saying this <laughs> yeah. trope, I don't think that's true, mm-hmm. is common. Like yeah. somebody, ha- and by, I, I guess I do feel a little bit like I also, you know, but not in that moment. No, and, and you weren't wrong in that moment. You were absolutely right. It was just the filter that I was experiencing. Yeah. Uh, and and then you're looking for anything to confirm that. Of course. And I think what makes this universal is this is what we're always talking about. Yeah. I was doing it on the plane mm-hmm. because I had a flight from Montreal to Chicago, which is only two hours. And I slept the whole time because I had to get up at like five. Mm-hmm. And then the flight from Chicago to L.A. You always forget that the when we say the United States, we mean Chicago Everything you're from Chicago West, that's most of the country. Yeah. Then there's the attic, which is the east side. It's just like all of Florida and Pennsylvania and stuff. That's like this tiny yeah. part compared to yeah. Montana or whatever it is you're flying over. Yeah. It's just like enormous and it's five hours. Yeah. So I watched McGrubies <laughs> and it was so funny. But that feeling when you're like you're like, okay, I watched a movie. Surely we uh, we're almost there, and you realize that there's four hours left, and you're yeah. just like, "Fuck!" So same thing. Yeah. Just to, this isn't the parenting, obviously, podcast, but it's always the suffering that you're creating yeah. because of the story. Yeah. And I listened to Kim Eng. Mm-hmm. There's a great um, meditation. I recommended it so many times. It's called Resist, Resist Nothing. Nothing. And even just the phrase "Resist Nothing," I couldn't yeah. make it through all of it because I was too agitated. I really had to take a poop and I didn't feel like pooping like a paratrooper <laughs> facing sideways on an airplane. <laughs> That's from the Pete Ohm show. I think Joe DeRosa wrote that. I love we might've said parapooper. If I, if I know my own sensibility, <laughs> I probably said parapooper. Um, I didn't want to do it. So I, and what people aren't talking about enough, all the first responders probably, I absolutely know what, what I'm talking about is like the strain of wearing a mask for seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve yeah. hours. Yeah. Especially because I have Andre the Giant head. Yeah. My ears were so inflamed, it felt. Yeah. From wearing that and a face shield. And I'm just like, this sucks. And I'm listening to a meditation. I told you when I got home, I was like, I worry that that's what I sound like to people mm. when I'm like, just like 
say yes to what is blend into the moment. Stop building a story. And I was like, yeah, that's all fine and good. My ass hurts. My ears are on fire and I have to take a dump. And like I have four more hours on this, on this flight. Yeah. But then the part that it did help me unpack, which ties back to what you're saying Mm -hmm. is I'm like, what is the problem? Mm -hmm. It's like the social network. We're sitting in chairs. I'm sitting in a chair. Mm -hmm. And then I did the work. I did Katie, uh, Byron Katie was I should be home now. Mm. And it's like, is that true? Mm-hmm. And then you sort of laugh. Yeah. Like, I think to get from Chicago to LA, sort of like the Louis C.K. bet, should take less than five hours. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is unacceptable And I'm going to gonna suffer the whole time because it doesn't. Yeah. Because it takes five hours. And as soon as I sort of, and this is where your story is going, because I I was there for the conclusion. Mm -hmm. As soon as I dropped the story, and this is what all the spiritual people are talking about when they're like, drop the story, just meaning stop repeating it in the echo chamber, the Mm -hmm. Facebook feed in your brain. Mm -hmm. I dropped it and I just listened to music. I couldn't sleep, but I just closed my eyes and listened to music and tried to follow my breath. And that made the flight go better. And then similarly, when you, I feel bad that it's like a, an 80s comedy that you're like scrubbing the couch with like a big brush but and I'm over there smoking a cigarette with, with Leela. But that's my doing. I perpetuate that. So I was cleaning the couch. Like really, that was my, the peak moment of like the feeling that way. And this is a pattern. So it's really helpful to get to know your ego's patterns because uh, Eckhart Tolle says like all egos are when it comes down to it, they're all the same, but they do have their own like unique spins on it. Mm. And you probably have the same, I don't know, three to five stories. Mm-hmm. Their ego really buys in, especially when you're home with your family. Um, so, and for whatever reason, it could be something that I saw with my parents or, or things that I've seen on TV. I go so quickly to, rage cleaning. (laughs) Mm. Um, or, and really what I mean by that is making myself into the martyred housewife, which is just so not the dynamic of our relationship at all, that it's actually pretty easy to call out and spot where you're like, that's not what's happening. Is that really the dynamic here? Well, that's the work, right? Yeah. Is that true? But in your defense, she, Leela was literally pushing you away. Yeah. And I was on ecstasy, basically. Like, yeah. I, I was attending to you as much as I could, but it's this weird, the parents will understand, it's this weird situation where, like, you're like, of course, I'm so, in a perfect world, the three of us would be cuddle piling. Yeah. And just laughing and, and giggling and rolling around. Yeah. But she's... She's like, oh, this thing that hasn't been here is here. So, like, she was pushing you away. Yeah, she doesn't really like it now at this point when two adults are talking because she can't really understand what's going on and she's not included. So she wanted to separate. She wanted. She was doing exactly what she had been doing to other people to get me alone. Right. And she was doing that to me. And so, yeah, I think the this story started with me being like, I was dreaming up of all of the ways that the three of us would be together in a cuddle yes. pile. And I missed you so much and just wanted to like hold you and connect with you and, uh, and forgot like we have this other person that takes priority. 
So, so it was this feeling almost, this was this, this is such a pity party story that I'm like embarrassed to say it, but I'm realizing we should have a mixed metaphor bar and pity party favors. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like a glass of gin. Yeah. (laughs) Pity party. It's even like mixing, not mixing metaphors, but it is. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Um, so I, the real pity party party line was <laughs> pity party line. <laughs> the pity party line was like I served my purpose. I did all of this work for sixteen days, and now I'm just discarded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you guys are having this love affair, and I'm, and it's, it's just embar- Like it's embarrassing to admit that I was that petty. Um, but. All of this happened within the course of like 30 minutes. And I pretty quickly recognized, oh, wait, here are these familiar patterns, this familiar story. I was peeking at while I was like cleaning the couch and it wasn't coming off. And then it came off pretty good. I got. Yeah, it's not bad. And also, I think you can get it like professionally cleaned. It's not a big deal. Um, and I so I went I like caught it. and I was like, this is my ego. My ego is looking to be right and others to be wrong. It is loving this right now that I am the victim who is right and and that's right. You know, it's the deliciousness of what part of you is gaining identity for. In my case, suffering on the plane. Yeah, I was like, this is wrong, and it was like that's Kim Ang's point in the meditation. Is it's like it's not the emotion. She's like the, the emotion is just a sensation. Yeah, we've applied language to it, so we yeah. call it frustration or That's anger, right. or fear. But really, it's just like if you get real technical, it's just like a chemical reaction in That's your body. Exactly it. And the problem comes from the resisting it. it. Comes from the resisting it or the clinging to it. Resisting and, and clinging. It's like a paradox. You're yeah. resisting it. And then you're clinging to that resistance. It's like being in a, a tar pit or something. It's or a quicksand. Yeah. It starts becoming more entrapping. And then you create a story around it, so then that feels justified, and then you just keep going around with the story, which creates the the feeling. Right. So the thoughts of it create the energy. So this is almost goes back to this the this forever conversation that we have about like is there, do body, does the body have its own feelings outside of thoughts? It's like, maybe that does happen. In my experience, it does seem to be like a feeling will come up. So in this example, it was like all my body had been holding the energy of all these feelings, putting them kind of away so that I could do my job and be fully present for Leela. As soon as it recognized that it was safe, it started releasing it. Well, that's what you said to me. You were like, you're the signal to me that it's safe to feel however I want to feel. Exactly. Because we will take care of each other. That's right. Yeah. So it started to feel that. And then my mind did its job, which is I'm going to create a story around this so that it makes sense to us. Because otherwise... Like that's the the way the mind's way of protecting is to organize. Mm-hmm. So it it thinks that it's helping by being like, I'll make a story of why we feel this way. Mm-hmm. And then the ego goes, Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're so like m- misunderstood and not seen and whatever. And it loves that, so it perpetuates the the thoughts, which then perpetuate the feelings. Whereas if you can 
notice the feelings and slow down with them and and eventually like get so familiar with it's the like feeling you're that on the you, freeway and you, you hit the brakes a little bit so your feelings can catch up to your conscious mind. Yeah. So you can talk to it through the windows. <laughs> or you just let the conscious mind know like thank you for organizing. Uh, you go back down into what the feeling is and and kind of allow the conscious mind to do whatever it's doing, but you're not you're not really you're letting that go. So you get a, you slow down with the feeling until you can drop the label, and then you really can notice that it's just sensations that want to come up and out. Right, and you and then as soon as they do, they're gone. We're perpetuating those feelings. They don't and, and like you, labeling and interpreting them is like is like wrestling them. It's like throwing your body on them like a fox. Yeah. And you grab it. Yeah. And then it sticks around. Yeah. And the whole point of the meditation is to be like, Val, as you told that story, I was like, of course you would feel that. Yeah. Nobody's even saying don't feel that. Uh-huh. But the suffering is intensified when you fox catch it. Yeah. And I was, I will say, I think this is important. I, I, noticed the feeling. So that's maybe the hardest part. And we get a lot of questions about this actually, where it's like, how do you notice it when you're deep in it? And like that, just the answer to that, my answer to that is you don't every time you just try to practice and then you, you do more and more, Yeah. but I still don't every time and you still don't every time. Absolutely. Uh, but in this moment I was able to, as I was cleaning the couch, I was like, wait a minute. This is my ego. The suffering is a cue. You're suffering. Okay. If you can just be like, I'm suffering, then that's the first step. Okay. If I'm suffering, that must be an ego mind identified place. Mm. What is the story? Um, And so I just like basically in that moment zoomed out and was like, Valerie, stop cleaning the couch. (laughs) Go into the bathroom separate yourself and and get get alone for a second. And so I did and I wasn't in that I was able in that moment to understand what was happening. My ego was telling the story and it was perpetuating the suffering. But I felt still so deeply I was still feeling so much um that it wasn't as easy as like okay i caught the ego and now i'm back and i come out and i'm like just, so happy just like me on the plane turning off this great meditation uh, three quarters of the way through because i was like i i'm i'm too uncomfortable i'm going to stop but it still helped like it, yeah. i i still caught up so this is where a lot of, i think a lot of different paths or teachers this is the moment where they recommend different things mm. Uh, Katie would recommend meeting the mind where it's at and and playing its game of like is that true and kind of real kind of talking it out of its its uh, using thinking to belief. diffuse thinking. Yeah, um, Eckhart Tolle would say use it as a cue to be present, maybe feel the energetic body, meaning um, being in a thoughtless place. Like yeah. his whole thing of like close your eyes and try to find your hands. And he's like, how can you tell you have hands if you can't yeah. see them and you're not moving them is a cue into the energetic body. I was doing that on the plane too. Yeah. And when you do that, if you're able to, it does take some discipline to play that somewhat boring game. Yeah. It's pr- almost impossible to also be thinking 
yeah. <laughs> while you're doing it. So that's why he says, feel your body from the inside out. Yeah. And, and then I'm not on a plane anymore. I'm just, I'm just inside my body kind of looking around. Right. Uh, with a, with the searchlight of my awareness. Yeah. <laughs> like what is my feet? What do my feet feel like? Yeah. And he is very, he is the one that's like, if you, once you recognize the ego's reaction, it no longer has a hold on you. But I kind of felt like it still did a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, so I recognized it, but I was still really feeling the story. So what worked for me is, and this is the not going to surprise anybody at this point, was being like, was talking to my ego and in a nurturing way, being like, wow, you really don't think we have enough. I'm going to nurture you and care for you and give you exactly what you are looking for. Because, because I, meaning the capital I awareness actually have everything I need. So I was like, let's, they're doing their thing. Great. You have alone time. Finally, Let's take a long shower. Let's get in cozy bed and read. And like, I just, I had to, I almost played the ego's game a little bit being like, okay, I will nurture you and love you. And then all of a sudden I am the I that's nurturing the ego. I am not the ego. Right. But it's coming from a very loving place. It doesn't work for me to resist the ego. That just perpetuates more anger or something. And I think maybe that's what you were coming up against in on the plane, because it's of course the ego's mind that, that sees it as like, this is bullshit. I'm supposed to just let go of my feelings. I'm uncomfortable. I have to poop. I'm, you know, the I in all of those statements is the ego. Um, And if you're just like, well, I'm just going to ignore that or I'm going to, you know, I don't think any teacher really says to resist it, but even like Muji will be like, don't fall. It's trying to trick you. Don't fall for it. Mm-hmm. If I think of it as an adversary, it, right. it just, for me, doesn't work. Yeah, I think it's interesting. People that are taught, it's very commonplace. Everybody knows about like your child self, but that is the split of all spiritual traditions is trying to like, disassociate from the problem and look at it from a neutral place of you could say soul or awareness or the big eye. Mm-hmm. But like, that's sort of like the, the bloom and onion version of like, can you be the impartial witness to your problem? And can you offer it understanding? That's You're right. making me realize. So we did eat pizza last night and I am, as I always say on this pod, 90% vegan. I try to be as vegan as possible. I didn't do well today because we ordered vegan food and I got so hungry and desperate while I was waiting for it. I ate a can of tuna fish. So there's like (laughs) constant mistakes. (laughs) If you want to call them that. Yeah. I say there's just constant reality. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, these are the things that are happening. Right. But last night, and I also smoked weed. I haven't smoked weed in a couple months and I, I worked so hard when I was alone it's one of those things where it's like Pete is not, I say it all the time, but Pete is not the best person in the driving seat of what Pete needs. Yeah. He'll drive the Pete car on a very specific road and it's a productive road, 
But that Pete will always say, we don't, let's not go to the beach. Let's not go to that weird dance party. Let's not this, this, because he's like, what is the purpose of this? But he's wrong so much of the time. And this Mm -hmm. is where sweet lady Val comes in and, Mm -hmm. and, and friends and that sort of stuff. They can nudge you into the things that you don't even know that you need, even though you should by this point know that those are the things you need. We've covered that many times. At least I've learned to keep my mouth shut and just go with it. But last night I was like, you know, eating pizza is great when you're doing it. And then afterwards and you're lying in bed, um, you're sort of like, shit, I ate three quarters of that pizza. Um, and I'm feeling a lot of salt and a lot of dairy. And I'm just sort of, it's not even bad, but it's just sort of keeping me awake. Literally, like biochemically, like the food, the unfamiliar food yeah. is sort of like keeping me awake. And that results in bad sleep. Sort of like, it's very similar to alcohol. Yeah. It reminds me of my alcohol time. You'd yeah. make this deal, nighttime you would make this deal to fuck over morning you because you're like, this is all about me, baby. Yeah. And then Nathan Trenholm, this guy I did comedy with in Chicago, had this great bit about day you and night you and night you doesn't give a shit about day you. It was brilliant. Yeah. And I always think about it. But exactly like what you did, you were like, what's the problem? Get in bed. I hear you. You're feeling overlooked. Yeah. You're feeling discarded. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the weird mom that with <laughs> breast milk stains for some reason, even though you're not breastfeeding anymore. <laughs> Scrubbing. A th- it's like a cliche. And dad's yeah. over there going like, who wants to see coin magic? Like it's, <laughs> it stinks. And you can say, okay, it stinks. Instead mm-hmm. of resisting it and saying, it doesn't stink. This is just the drama of being yeah. human. And you're lost in Maya. You're in the illusion. Yeah. You can go, that's the, what I had to do with pizza belly. I think this is so important. It's such a short interruption. But it is like the times where it's like, and this is sometimes where non-dualism doesn't work for me is if well, if you're it's all f- one whose headache is this? I mean, that's, that's David <laughs> Nickturn's great line. But it's like, so I'm right in that moment. I'm really caught up in, in the, the illusion, let's say. And then if like a voice of the, the non-dualist is like, like, what? Like, come on. None of this matters. It's just like, <sighs> Oh yeah, <laughs> like like fire like fire coming from my head, yes. being like that's the last thing that whatever this part of me that's believing the illusion needs to hear. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be calmed down like a baby. Like it can't. It cannot be. It's got to be soothed. It cannot be neglected. By the way, when I think about remember if you have a video camera. And you can see what the camera is seeing on a TV, and you point the camera towards the TV, and it starts going, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. and I'm like, oh, that's what reality is, <laughs> right? Sometimes, Pete, that is the worst thing to think. Yeah. That, like, reality is constantly splitting into parallel universes, and every choice gets split. There's a, there's a universe where Michael Jordan didn't win the seventh or the sixth ring or whatever it was. Yeah. And we're just in this one. And I was like, no fucking shit. I want a pizza. Yeah. If I'm the beginning consciousness (laughs) of all this, I fucking made this illusion so I could eat a fucking pizza (laughs) because guess what? It's kind of overwhelming to be me. It's a little bit overwhelming to be constantly rippling, repeating infinity. And I was like, anything seems permissible yeah. if you get in touch with that part of you that it's like 
It's just a hall of mirrors. Yeah. And it's never ending. Yeah. And it's it's also never beginning. It's just blah, blah, blah. it's just I was like, yeah. So that goes back to Pizza Belly. I go, I did that thing that I've done before. I've told the story on this podcast before where when I make vague mistakes that are keeping me up, I have to say, I love you, Peter. I love you just the way you are, mm-hmm. over and over, and then I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. But that's what it was waiting for. Wow. Just like you were waiting for someone to go like, yeah. Yeah. Even intellectually, it's great that my husband and my daughter have this time. Yeah. Also, it sucks that she's like, no, mom, no, dada, dada, you know. Yeah. And like that can, and you can just say, it's okay. I love you when you're being pouty. I'm not saying you were being pouty. I'm just yeah. saying, I yeah. love you just the way you are. Yeah. It's always give yourself the love you're waiting for. That's it's it. Always, always give yourself give your... the, the top shelf. Yes. Not that like, you could go to the fucking park today and meet another person that will love you circumstantially. Yeah. At least give yourself the like, yeah. This is insane. Yeah. You're in reality. Yeah. You woke up here. Yeah. And we don't know what's going on. Yeah. I understand that you ate a pizza. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, and speaking of absolutely, that is, it always comes back to absolute and relative truth. So like, sure, the absolute truth is the hall of mirrors. But are we doing this or not? That's the relative truth. Well, that's Nick Turns, if it's all one. So Nick Turn, I think, does believe it's all one. He believes it's all none. Yeah. Because he's a Buddhist. So they just call the one the void. Yeah. Which is, by the way, sidebar, excited to be talking to you again. Mm. When I close my eyes at night or think about the, the darkness of, of death, which is often what people think, like darkness is creeping in and you vanish into darkness. Katie over, Byron Katie, over and over is like, the darkness is you mm. like, and that is such a comfort. Mm. Even as I'm just falling asleep, you close your eyes and you're like looking at, at basically you're looking at infinite possibility. If you look at dreaming, you're looking at blackness and then in the blackness, you're like, well, nothing's going on. I might as well manifest a world. Yes. Um, that's what's happening here. I think that might be a fucking clue, like a pretty big <laughs> clue that every night we go into perfect blackness mm-hmm. and then awareness dissatisfied with nothing yeah. goes like, well, let's just put on a show. Yeah. And then you woke up into this show yeah, where your senses are at play and there's pain and there's other people and they're split and they're separate. So I'm not saying it's exactly like my dream because you were in my dream last night and you don't remember that. So it's yeah. different in that way. Sure. But like to see the, uh, the, oh, a little bit of a weed hangover to see the disallowing of nothing yeah of your brain mm. to uh you know it take see the nothingness as an opportunity to create something yeah, yeah. everybody is pa- not Pablo Picasso I just watched Nanette so let's not do Picasso <laughs> but everybody is Michelangelo everybody my dad is not an artist he doesn't get out the the crayons and have fun and mess up the couch and mess up the couch. That's not, he doesn't do that, but he's the greatest artist in the world at night. He goes into his high school in 1950s Somerville and relives biology, except he's seven feet tall. Like, and then sometimes just like the whole, uh, Zen Buddha, is it the 
Buddhist monks that do the sand and then they yeah. dump it. Yeah, and then he like, dumps sometimes it. Sometimes you don't even remember it. It takes all of my effort to remember <laughs> my dreams before my feet hit the floor. And I try to, and I do, yeah. but then they're gone by the time I get to the toilet. Yeah. So that's helpful. I was walking through the Chicago airport and I saw somebody with a shirt that said, Black Guns Matter. And it bothered me for still. It's still bothering me. Wow. That guy that was sent to me, that's my karma to see him. I'm not saying... Please don't get shallow. I'm just saying, or, 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 or new agey or trite. I'm just saying it's my karma because it happened. Yeah. It's reality. It's what is. Yeah. It's what is. Uh-huh. I'm not saying it was a special message to me. I'm yeah. saying my life is the special, special message to me. Yeah. And he was in my life. He yeah. walked by. And I swear, it was O'Hare Airport. I swear the last time I was there, I walked by somebody else in an offensive shirt at the same spot. I would believe it was the exact same spot. It was a weird feeling of deja vu, but a different sort of uh, hateful shirt. I've given him a lot of thought, this guy. We don't have to talk about him very long, but I really tried to find some compassion where I was like, I don't even know. Let's not even talk about it. It sucks too much. But that guy, when he goes to bed... Mm -hmm. Dreams, perfect, three-dimensional, colorful, unbelievable, the perfect art reality. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is no matter how different you are from another person, when they go into the the darkness of the void at night, they also are godlike. They are... Um, the, they are the manifestation of the mystery in its most perfect and essential form. Then yes. they wake up. Yeah. They remember, oh, right, I'm Jeb. Yeah. I'm going to wear this hateful shirt to the airport. I know. Where the most people will see it. Yes. Um, I don't know. That's like, remember we were driving down the street in Ohio and there was, I don't know, just like a very noticeable looking guy. I can't even remember now how he looked, but I was like, isn't it interesting to think that that guy has a subconscious Yeah, and it still is, it's the same things as our subconscious. That's what you said. We were like, yeah, it's, it's the high school. He dreams that his teeth are falling out. Yeah. That he's late for class. This is why you can poo poo like dream analysis, Mm -hmm. but you shouldn't No, because the fact of the matter is you're like, we all seem to be sharing a vocabulary and when we're in Ohio and I see a hawk flying overhead, I'm like, these are the same hawks that the native people living on this land would see. Yeah. Like, as many Froyo places as we can build, I'm still looking at the same mountain yeah. as the earliest people that walked on this land. Yeah. And I'm sharing, even more significantly, the same subconscious. Yeah. Like, that's young, though. Like, we should all be getting into young right now because. With that's- a J, guys. With a J. <laughs> Because that is, I don't know that much about it, but it's like the collective subconscious and like through dream work. Right. And I feel like right now we are just so in a really trippy. Especially when the whole world is having the same waking experience. Yeah. To think of the similarities of the dreams and your subconscious that we're all having. But really the the best way I can think of to mobilize this sort of like navel gazy lava lamp conversation (laughs) is it's like that can foster compassion. Mm -hmm. That guy with that shirt before he remembers his identity and his thoughts and his beliefs and his history and his psychology and his preferences mm-hmm. was just the candlelight of of the five billion candle burning sun. He was one candle and he was just pure light making 
geometric shapes as he's falling asleep. Yeah. Or when he rubs his eyes, impossible fractals appear. Because he is, as different as I see him from me, he is made of the same. This is what we're saying. This is the divine indwelling. Yeah. And then we get up. I feel it. Now that I'm aware of it, when I wake up in the morning, I can feel Pete seeping under the door Mm. and he starts coming in Mm. and I remember what I have to do. I remember who I have to email and I remember my role. Oh, right. I'm a dad. Oh, Mm. right. I'm this and that. It happens pretty quickly. Mm. But when you get sensitive enough, you realize that Katie makes this point too. She's like, the world vanishes when you're unconscious. That's a clue that you're making the world. The world is inside you. This image that I see that's Valerie looking at me is built in my head. And it goes away when I go to bed. And then I make another one. And then I wake up and I'm back in this one. But it's all happening in here. Isn't that wild? That's so cool. So when I was at the airport, one of the things that bummed me out, because I was alone, and I think... I told the, when we recorded our episode there, two episodes? Yeah. Yeah, two episodes there. I was like, my anxiety level is incredibly low. Right. And I was like a little sad that I was like, oh no, other people. Am I really so bad with other people that they mm. freak me out so much? Mm. But it's not really people. It's society. It's mm. um, the the Im- impossible cobweb of interaction with me and advertising, me and sound, me and people. It's not just, oh, I'm Ebenezer Scrooge and I don't like, or I'm Daniel Plainview and I don't like people. Mm-hmm. And I was at the airport and I'm going through customs. And again, it's like five in the morning, so customs aren't even open. So I'm just like in a socially distanced line, uh, everybody speaking French. So it feels very dreamy already. And there's a gate and it's going to open and then we'll, we'll be able to go through customs. Mm-hmm. And as I'm there, I'm just noticing this whole mechanism of my brain being reanimated, which is what you were saying. The brain likes to categorize, mm-hmm. differentiate and make judgments for your safety, for your comfort, or to just get a task done. Mm-hmm. And it had been so long since I had a task to do. I have a task. It's an important one. Mm-hmm. Get up. Don't miss your alarm. Get to the car, get to the airport, pack your bag, you know, shower, eat, um, try to poop, didn't, uh, you know. <laughs> paid for that later. <laughs> paid later. Wish I had. Didn't have time. Connecting flight. Had to check my bag. It's a thing. <laughs> so you start doing all these things, like, like take check my bag. I start going like, I'm looking at the plane and my brain goes, picture the inside of that plane. I'm like, okay, the overhead space, what's it look like? I go, my bag's not going to fit. I'm going to have to check my bag. So like that, that's a helpful use of my brain. Sure. Here's where it starts to get nasty. And this ties into racism. This ties into classism. This ties into fashion. This ties into fame. We already talked about this, but. No, please. I love it. When I was in line, this guy who annoyed me, why did he annoy me? The answer is almost always. And this goes, I think this goes for everybody. He reminded me of me. Yeah. So he was sort of like a slick uh, I don't think I'm slick. I'm just saying he looked uh, he looked like he was a fancy boy. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of a fancy boy. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that's like, 
where's the first class lounge? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we've been in airports trying to get in a first class lounge by showing them that we're going to New York and that should count as international. And, and then you get turned away. But I'm the guy that's trying to get in. Yeah. We 99.9 never get in. It doesn't happen. <laughs> but um, he goes around the line. And again, no judgment to this man. At night, he dreams impossible worlds. Mm. He goes up. That made me. That's really he, sweet. He goes up to the the security, and we're all waiting. And I had forgotten that this is a phenomenon. This is what is anxious. This is what's stressful about being alive. Mm. Is we all know this feeling. You're in a line. It's five in the morning. Somebody goes around the line. We're all watching this motherfucker with our periphery. Mm. You know what I mean? You just are. Oh, Try not to. Of course. Somebody already got in front and it was because they had a medical thing. But everybody, just like at Disneyland, everybody's making sure the people that are cutting the line, what's their story? We mm-hmm. just want to know. Mm-hmm. Talk about stories. We want to know our shared story. Mm-hmm. Not just your story. I need to poop. I want to know the story of the line because now we're a group. Yeah. We're the people in the line. Yeah. So he goes up. He look, Now that I look back, I'm like, he was me. Same kind of bag. He looked like he traveled a lot, like good pockets, good zip pockets. <laughs> he goes up to the front. He goes, where's Nexum or something? Nexium. <laughs> where's Nexium? Where's, where's, uh, where's Keith Raniere? Where's Keith Raniere? I have a meeting with him. In jail. <laughs> oh, yeah, spoiler. Actually, in the first episode, it says he's in jail. Or it's the court, I think, because he didn't go to jail until three days ago. Or he went to jail. You're right. He just didn't get sentenced. What I mean is it doesn't ruin the show if you haven't seen the vow. We're not yeah. taking it out. Yeah. So anyway, he goes, it, it was like global entry. Mm-hmm. He was saying, where is the line for, it wasn't global entry, but I'm going to say global entry. Mm-hmm. Where's the global entry line? Mm-hmm. He's sort of authoritatively, not in an asshole way, but he's using his big boy voice. Yeah. Where's Glo- my special line? Where's my special line? <laughs> And Val, for, if I had a nickel, you know, the number of times I've been the guy looking for the special line. Yeah. Because I learn. My brain goes, what does the overhead look like? Where's the special line? Yeah. The one time you do that and it works, now you're always going to be the guy asking for the special line because you don't want to wait in that. Yeah. And they say, there is none. And he goes, just the regular line? <laughs> and I was like, right. We live in, sorry to keep saying manifestation, but we live in an outward writ large manifestation of the brain that prioritizes prejudices, Mm -hmm. class sizes and rewards otherness, Mm -hmm. meaning money in this case. Mm -hmm. So global entry maybe cost 200 bucks for the background check, 300 maybe, Mm -hmm. but it also means you were able to get to the airport on a day off. Yeah. When I got global entry, you go to the airport. So that's a different kind of person. Yeah. I just watched this very moving thing about poverty, uh, a woman addressing senators, I believe. And she was saying that she was going into, like, she wasn't going to be able to afford something very basic because she was facing Senate that day or, or Congress wow. or whatever it was. She was like, to do this, I won't be able to get this basic need met wow. because I don't just have a day off that I can come and talk to you guys. Wow. It's unbelievably moving. Wow. I'm pretty sure it's on my Facebook. Hmm. Anyway, so right there is a special. Mm-hmm. I have the access. I can spend money on parking and gas to get the airport, get the special thing. And I travel enough to make this worth it. Right. And that's the story I'll say in this man's defense that we with Global Entry say. It's like, 
look, I'm trying to make travel as easy as I can because I have to travel all the fucking time. But because you can afford to travel all the time. That's right. That's So even that is a different class. Oh, we'll find a way to complain about anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm speaking of me and this man in this group. Mm -hmm. But I was like, so he got in the regular line. And I was like watching my brain having more judgmental thoughts about everybody that I saw. Mm-hmm. Just like these people look friendly. This guy looks like an asshole. This person has a nice coat. Mm-hmm. Look at these shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you're at the airport, everybody makes the distinction between first class and coach. That's easy. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I was saying to you, the people that can go to Starbucks and have an extra $15 for a drink and a croissant, that's a special group. There's yeah. no end to the special groups. Yeah. And that reinforces the brain to continue to think, what group are you in? Yeah. Constantly reminding you. And, I, and I, I, sorry, I'm not forcing this. I really think it comes back to every prejudice, including racial prejudice, mm-hmm. is like we live in a structure that is built in that type of binary. Mm-hmm. So when we say... You know, I've heard people say about the police, they uh, statistically, they might be dealing with more of this race or more of that race or whatever it is. So it's like their brains are conditioned uh-huh. to, um, it, it's not an excuse, but it's yeah. like this This could explain some of this behavior. Yeah. I'm like, we're all getting that even in this microscopic, intangible, unnoticeable level Yeah. because there's a special line Yeah. and there's a special class on the plane and there's a boarding zone and there's the diamond members go first. I, having been alone for 16 days, was starved and mm-hmm. forgot. And that's what was making my anxiety go down mm-hmm. was people always say in LA, you, you get a heightened sense of where you are in the line of show business, mm-hmm. but motherfucker, show me a person that can't go to lunch mm-hmm. that isn't reminded where they are socioeconomically, yeah. where they are in the fitness scale, in the gender scale, whatever you, your scales are being reflected back to you constantly. Yeah. I do want to say, I want to check my privilege. I am not the authority to talk about this because uh, I'm a white male, right? Mm -hmm. And beyond that, Mm -hmm. white privileged male beyond. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying no wonder people are in such pain, even if everybody, it's it's stressful to be alive. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) That's what I had. That's why I was so calm in my cryogenic chamber. Yeah. Because there was nothing reflecting back to me who I was. Oh, sure. You were on a silent private retreat. Like that's, uh, I mean, and that brings its own, you're confronted with your own stuff. So it's not to say that that's easy, but it certainly is like, I, I wish I had thought of this or that you had thought of this too. Like, of course you went from, you had no, like transitions are hard. Leela's in the phase right now where transition any transition is met with resistance if you're going from playing in the living room to the bathtub that is met with resistance if you're getting out of the bathtub that's met with resistance and it's just kind of shining a light on the fact that we all need a little sensitivity around transitions transitions are hard especially one as severe as being from being alone for two weeks to the airport right. and the airport in a pandemic. That is huge. I, so like, that's just self-compassion. I appreciate that. I think this is the conclusion I was trying to get at. When we're trying to have sensitivity 
to um, what is the marginalized groups? Yeah. Their margin, marginalizations, the things that happen that marginalize whatever group, isn't affecting their reality. It is their reality. Yes. That's what I was realizing. Ah, uh, yeah. I was like, it's no small thing. It's like it's the same revelation where I was like, language has power. I, I know, it, I, or I guess it's easy to make fun of the liberals that are like, oh, we're supposed to call them they now. Yeah. I was like, that isn't affecting their reality. That is their reality. That's their reality. Because everything is a mirror and it's, yeah. and it's reflecting back something that you feel like you're in the regular line now, yeah. or you feel like you're in the the worst line, or you're not even in the line, yeah. or you're the last boarding zone, and they just sort of casually, which is the worst flight seat on the plane, they just sort of casually mention, um, yeah, there's no more overhead space. Like, yeah. this is, this is again, I'm not going to solve marginalization. I can't speak to the people that can relate to this the most. I'm just saying... Why was I so calm? It wasn't just because it was quiet and nobody was telling me what to do. It's that all the information we are bombarded with. Yeah. And as a somewhat famous person, I'm constantly bar- bombarded with kind of good information. Yeah. That's insane privilege. privilege yeah. And then you're like, and there's just people. It was a heart opening if this is so tense for me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, right. what are we even... It was a huge, huge lesson. Wow, I love that. That's so beautiful and so valuable. Um, What comes to mind is, and again, this is not trying to offer any kind of solution to that, but um, in A New Earth, Eckhart talks about, um, I don't know, it's a specific Marxist who started murdering people with glasses because he understood the Marxist, the Marxism uh, manifesto uh, to be like saying that glasses are the sign of the elite class Mm. and got, and so ego got so tied up in it that then it led to murdering uh, everybody with glasses. And he uses that as, a, as an example to show that there cannot be a change in society and culture without a change in consciousness. Right. So even though maybe even Marxist values of being like, why do we have all these special lines? Why do we have all these special things? Like, can we all just be equal? The answer is not as long as we are letting our minds lead the show because our minds will separate. <coughs> That's what I mean. A mind, the, this sounds insane to 22 year old Pete, but the mind is not the best tool. It seems it's not the, it can't be the only tool yeah. being used to develop reality. Right. Because when we look at the illogical, um, it's like I was watching something, I watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I watched all these Westerns. Um, It's not that you don't like Westerns. We watched True Grit together. We loved it. Um, No, I think that's a good choice. (laughs) But it was something about, like, I'm alone. Westerns are often a guy alone doing a thing on a horse 
Yeah. So it's horse time. I felt like I was on horse time. Yeah. I didn't want too fast, too furious. I wasn't moving. I wasn't shaking. Yeah. My butt was aching and I was <laughs> blah, 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 quaking. So I wanted something. So I watched Bush Cassidy and then just total your boy just deep spelunking into his intellect, meaning indulging all the watching masterclasses, blah, blah, blah. I would watch the special features of these things. So I'd watch the featurette, which means, by the way, most featurettes are just scenes from the movie again. So you're like watching the movie yes. kind of again. Yeah. But there, Butch Cassidy is one of the um, most beloved movies of all time. It's Paul Newman. It's Robert Redford. I didn't even know this, by the way. So I'm not like <laughs> condescending to anybody. I didn't know that's who was in it. I thought it was fantastic. I think it holds up really, really well. It's not boring. And all those things that you think about old movies, it's going to be boring. The humor will be stupid or whatever. I thought it was fantastic. And then come to find in in the special features, you got to watch it because like the director, the way they talk, it's the late 60s. Uh And the way they talk, he's like, you know... Katie's a great girl. She talked up a lot, but a very sexy girl, very smart girl. Just the way that they would like unabashedly say like that she would like, I feel like these days you wouldn't be like Angelina Jolie, sexy girl, sometimes would talk a little too much on set, but like this is a recording. I know this is a recording from the sixties. So you're just like, wow, the machismo. But (laughs) this movie that everybody loves was absolutely panned. By all the critics. Like mm. the New Yorker called it like the death of the genre Whoa. and all these things. And what the person speaking in the featurette said was all these people were watching it with their head and not their heart. Oh. And I was like, that is so true. And when I'm designing an airport with my head, I'm like, let's put in a wine bar and a massage place. I'm not thinking like, what are the people that... It was a really big fucking deal to get a plane ticket. Where do they go? Yeah, It's like, sorry, there's just an oak bar in the middle of the terminal. And everybody else can buy a $22 bag of peanuts. Yes. Like, and it's too many peanuts and they're not even good. Uh, like, there needs to be some, like, heart. Meaning, great Richard Rohr quote, he goes, the language of God is silence. Everything else is a poor translation. <laughs> Isn't that great? I love that. That is what quiet and contemplation and expansion, I know I'm applying it to social change. I don't have the answer, but I do know that the brain will always say, how do I get hot towels to these 12 people and a big fuck off to the people in the seats that don't recline by the bathroom in the back that don't even get to put their bag up? Yeah. Because we oversell the flight and there's not enough space? Like, yeah. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. that's I, But that's what's stressful. That's true. Yeah. It's not people. It's the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's the world we've created for one another. Yeah. I really was recently reminded, I, I often come back to this, which means that I often stray and forget this, but like the heart space is the way through to me. Like that is how to get everything that you want. Like that's how to be, um, fully present, identified with awareness for me, um, fully connected, feel held by the universe, 
feel completely grounded, but also connected to the spirit world. Like right. everything that I want to feel, it has silence. to go through. No, it has to go through the heart space. Well, that's right. Which silence is right. one way through to me. Right. But wh- where I was reminded of that was. And it was so interesting because, and we kind of mentioned this, the last podcast, somebody asked the question, when do you feel most in your body? And I like gave three examples. One of them was dancing. I think it was like dancing, dancing specifically with friends. And when I'm on the beach or in the ocean. With your girlfriend. Yeah. And, or maybe I think I said like a naked hot tub with my girlfriends, but um, but two out of those three happened a couple days joke later. Joke here. <laughs> oh, joke here. I feel like I was really like, coincidentally, that's also... When I feel... Very sexy girl. <laughs> very... <laughs> that's when I'm most in your body. Okay. <laughs> um, but I... So then it was like almost like I manifested that or something because a couple days later, an opportunity came up to do. It's called The Wave if you're in the L.A. area. It's so beautiful. It's like the silent disco. So you everybody has headphones and the sound quality is amazing. I just like kept the They provide the headphones? Yeah. And um, so you have the headphones and you're right on the beach at sunset. What I did was yoga wave. So we did 45 minutes of yoga on the beach distanced of course uh and then there's a dj and you're just it's a huge group so you're in the majority so you don't feel weird with the fact that nobody can else can hear the music you know um i love it because nobody else can hear the music like that'll help me if it was just a loud dance party i'd be like some old woman is unable to syringe her insulin because she's so mad at this you know yeah cisco song yeah but so the DJ, I mean, so you just dance on the ocean, on the beach. You can dance in the ocean or whatever with this huge group of people. And it is so heart opening. And you're doing it towards the sunset while the sun is setting. It's un, it's unreal. Which and talk I, about the opposite of an airport. There's your, yeah, this is for everybody. Na- right. Nature does not ask if you have a global entry ID number. That's right. It goes, here's the same sunset to the Rockefellers or to Charlie Chaplin's The Tramp. Everybody saw the same sunset. That's right. Absolutely. And you're on the beach where it's free. The event is, but it's like $15, you know, but, um, but anyway, so I just was like instantly like, oh, yes. My heart, right. I need to be remembering that that if I'm doing a heart opening exercise, that will get me there so fast. And ma- people are different. Maybe people need more, like, I don't know, playing the minds game or something. But I always forget. It's just about opening my heart. Yeah. And turning off the noodle. That I, I was hearing you that you were saying it was the heart. Yeah. I was saying to get the brain quiet, people do different things. Yeah. People crochet, people play basketball. Um, I don't think watching TV or movies really qualifies no. as much. Because that's, that's go- Edgar out. would say that's going below thinking and you're wanna, you want to transcend thinking. Right, you want to so go So that's above. why like getting drunk and all of that, it doesn't have the same effect. Or stone is going below thinking. Yeah. But going above it is like transcending it and that, sorry to keep mentioning this flight, but as I said, when we did our first episode, when I was in quarantine, I was like, I do not miss flying. 
I don't, I don't, it's one of those things. And as I'm talking about my, my privilege, I'm like, yeah, okay. So I have to eat a little crow, uh, flying all the time. But as I was flying and suffering, the trick was always letting the thoughts fall like drops on the shower that you turned Mm. off and let them all just fall down and just be the wall. I also wrote that down. I I wonder, just turn it off, just turn it off however you can. Mm. And, um, I had this, I wrote this down for the new book. I was like, all of reality is like a static. We, we said it's like swarms of bees instead of molecules. It's like picture bees. This is just one big buzzing activity. Yeah. But I was like, if you're watching the shape of rain hitting a lake, don't worship the rain, worship the water. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's why spirituality, even though it's so, it can be so misused and so fucked and we could be totally wrong about everything we've ever said. Sure. I get that. But it's all just, I think it's the effort itself is trying to get in touch with the water, not getting lost in the animation of the, oh, this speckle of rain looks like me talking to my dad on the phone yeah, or whatever it might be. Just, Don't get, go like, wait, what, what is yeah. all of it being animated within? Yeah. It's drops of water hitting a lake. So it's water hitting water that animates and sparkles and effervescence effervescences, evanescences yes. <laughs> into yes. the the story. Yeah. And we can love the story and I can be the Pete saying, it's okay. Pete says, okay, you're a sweet boy. I like you. Yeah. That's all the rain. But like when you can get quiet enough to realize you're made of the, of the same water yeah. that was the first thing that decided to dream this universe. Yeah. Like what's the problem? Yeah, right. That's what I said. Did I say it on this podcast? I might have said it on an episode that's coming. Yeah, I said it on Megan Stalter, which will be out in a couple of weeks. But when I was in quarantine, and I, I'll say this as many times as I think of it, because it's one of the most useful things in my life. There's that psalm where they say, if I make my bed in the depths, you, meaning God, you are there. If I go to the heavens, you are there. Mm. So I'm like, when I was lonely... Um, oh. Oh, is she up? Sorry. It's okay. Oh, uh, how long was that? That she was up? No, that we talked. I don't know. Well, it might be a short one today, folks. Anyway, the point... <laughs> I just keep going for another hour alone. The point was, I was alone, but where can you go that awareness itself isn't? If you're noticing that you're alone, you are connected to the water. That's the point. Oh, boy. Sorry, guys. Sorry that this is a bit of a short one, but I do feel like we got into it pretty good and pretty quick. Man, I wish we could keep going. I miss Val. I miss talking with you guys, too. Um, But we we have to go and be with Lee, and we want to release this because I know uh, so many messages coming out from people saying that they count on these Friday episodes, and it's a special time for them as it is for us. So, Mama... Come, come say keep it crispy with Lee. Okay. I was just telling everybody that we wish we could go longer. Hi, yeah. mommies. Yeah. Hi, baby. I feel bad. I don't know how long she was crying because I didn't hadn't looked at this in a while. <laughs> I, I think 
if she wasn't up, then she doesn't lay on her back and cry when she stands up. No, I mean, I hadn't looked at it in a while. I don't know how long she was standing up. Lila, were you crying for a long time? Oh, no? Hi, baby. You just got up now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hi, Bubba. You were on such a, making such a beautiful point. I'm sorry I got interrupted. I sort of finished it. Okay. Where can you go that you're not connected to the thing that's animating you? And that thing is the whole thing. That's the whole thing. So if anybody is lonely, if anybody's on a plane, if anybody's in their car alone, if anybody, you know, I, I really feel for you struggling in this quarantine, in yeah. this pan pizza alone, mm-hmm. where can you go that you're not always connected to the eternal unborn source of all things? Mm-hmm. And that would always make my loneliness go away. And even oh. as I say it now, oh. it's there in Lee, it's there in you. I did have a Mary Oliver poem that I wanted to read. Oh, I'll hold Lee. You go. Oh, now you're all about Mama. Is it the book that's in the bathroom? No, it's right here. Okay. And I dog-eared it. Hey, Lee, can Dada hold you? Oh, baby. No? You're too tired. If you want to pick that up and... Okay. You can read the... It's this one? Uh, let me see. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a really good fall poem. It's about... the Because the... Uh, and I think in a couple days it's Daylight Savings. Um, so, like, as we are entering into this new season, it's so representative of everything. Yes, baby. Mama's um, going to read a poem. I'm going to read this poem. I'll read this book to you. Okay? I can put, I'll put the music on. Oh, yeah. Dada's going to put on pretty music. Okay, ready? Mama will read this book to you. Lines Written in the Days of Growing Darkness by Mary Oliver. Every year we have been witness to it, how the world ascends into a rich mash in order that it may resume, and therefore, who would cry out, to the petals in the ground to stay, knowing as we must how the vivacity of what was is married to the vitality of what will be. Oh, I don't say it's easy, but what else will do if the love one claims to have for the world be true? So let us go on cheerfully enough this and every crisping day, though the sun be swinging east and the ponds be cold and black and the sweets of the year be doomed. That's That's beautiful, Mama. Thank you. Hey, Leela. Here, take out your bubs. Can you say keep it crispy? Can you say crispy? You're too tired. I'm going to perform right now. Okay, sweet girl. Let's go color. Mm. Keep it crispy. Okay, guys. We'll see you next Friday. Say bye-bye, Lee. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. She's too tired.